You are listening to the Think Brick Australia podcast. Think Brick Australia represents the clay, brick and paver manufacturers of Australia. Brick by Brick, our podcast will discuss technical information and architectural case studies with special guests. I'm your host, Elizabeth McIntyre, the CEO of Think Brick Australia. On today's podcast, I'm thrilled to be able to welcome back Danielle Simbulan, and we're going to talk about heritage because it's something that always comes up in conversations about brick. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you for having me again. Whenever we tend to get architects talking to us about their projects, they do talk about a heritage context or the context of the heritage of the area. Before we go any further, what is heritage? What does it mean? Well, for us in Australia, when we list something as heritage, it has some sort of heritage significance. So anything to do with its history, its aesthetic, any importance to any past, present and future generations as well, and something we want to help preserve. Yeah, and it's really interesting for me, just in a personal example, when we were building our house, our street was in a conservation area. And that meant that we had to get a heritage architect in. And what I learned about heritage was that sometimes it's not always saving those things that we consider beautiful. As you have said, it's actually preserving buildings and the context of the area. So some of us may look at things and go, why is that heritage listed? Because it doesn't look as as aesthetically pleasing as we would like. Yeah, no, think of those classic 1960s and 70s red brick houses. Or even, there's a funny thing, it's in Circular Quay and there's this one brick house in the middle of Circular Quay that they actually can't knock down over and rebuild. And you've got this one one story, tiny little cottage in the middle of Circular Quay and these sky rises all around it. And so it's, yeah, it's preserving what is Australian history and what is important to us. It's not just, you know keeping something pretty. I love that definition. So what we're going to talk about today is just a couple of examples. But before we do that, let's talk about what are the implications when you are designing in a heritage area? Yeah. So as an architect, you want to maintain that aesthetic. You want to respect the heritage and its significance. So whether that's keeping the aesthetic the same or ensuring that the building surrounding that conservation area is not drawing away from what is important. As an engineer, however, you have a lot of fragile things to work with. It's difficult to be testing anything, especially with limited non-destructive tests as well. And there is a lot of paperwork to just talk about the heritage impact it has. I know. I've had to pay for those heritage impact statements. But look, I think that they're great considerations. When we're talking about bricks though, what are some of the things we need to remember? Yeah. So with bricks, we commonly see a lot of red and brown bricks that we need to match. A lot of our Australian manufacturers have been around for that long anyways. And so it won't be too difficult for you to match the aesthetic when you're trying to do an extension or you're trying to match the rest of the buildings in a conservation area. Another thing that you want to think about, though, is I mentioned earlier, they're quite fragile. So you want to have very clean work 
mm-hmm. your bricks and you want to make sure you don't need to do brick cleaning afterwards and mm-hmm. you don't pit those fragile bricks. And then what else about the brick sizes? I mean, us brick lovers can see that the sizes have changed over time. And interestingly, I was just in Europe and I am always confronted with the Australian brick size is quite large when you really think about compared to other bricks in other countries. But what are we when we talk about some of these heritage bricks, what do we need to think about with their size? Yeah, no, it's quite interesting. So prior to 1965, Australia was using the imperial system. And so we didn't have millimetres and centimetres, we had inches and feet. And so our standard brick size was actually compliant with that instead. And so as we transitioned into the metric system that we have today, we've also changed the standard size of brick we use. And so when you're working with heritage bricks prior to 1965, you often need to get a custom size just to fit. And then the other thing was, just before we go into some examples, but one of my favourite sayings is, it's not the brick that will go, it's the mortar. What do we have to think about with the mortar? Well, one thing we need to do with mortar is it does go faster than the brick. We would consider, quote unquote, weaker. And at a certain point, Mortar was also standardized for Australia. Prior to, we would just mix on site. If it worked, it worked. Yes. And most of the mortar has worked because these buildings, by the way, are still standing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But for us now, what we actually have to do is try and match what was used back then. And so quite oftentimes, if you've seen our Australian standards before, there is a listing M1 mortar, which is not commonly used and not commonly prescribed. This is because in heritage buildings, they actually use that M1 mortar. Right. And so they have that ratio that is acceptable for now. Yes. So look, check the mortar, I think, is the actual tip there. But let's take a look, Danielle, at some examples now. The first one that I'm looking at in front of me is beautiful Ridge Street by Zans in 2021. What did they sort of have to do there? Well, Ridge Street is a beautiful project might I add they've had to do an extension to a heritage house and what they needed to do was actually match the aesthetic of the original building and they were very limited in their color choices and so they needed to go for this beige brick that matched the beige to white very neutral area now to make it and give it a modern twist they've Mm -hmm. actually given this curved wall corbelling as well and so you've got this really interesting kind of dynamic look to it and it just contrasts really well but it still fits in surprisingly. Yeah and then the other one that I'm looking at in front of me is the Fitzroy Bridge House. It was a Holbury Hunt residential entrant in 2022 and what I'm looking at is this sort of beautiful it's almost very much like a terrace house looks very English style what did they have to do there yeah so what they actually did was they needed to keep that facade the same because it is an aesthetic of the entire precinct and so you've kind of got all of these interconnected houses and you need to keep that solid outer face. But in the inside, they've got all this hidden mist wall and this open and flowing space that's really contrasting to the densely packed houses that you would see in the front. And when we look at Joyce Chapel Bridge, we've actually done a podcast with Susanna Waldron on that project. But that was another 
heritage listed area. What did they have to do there, Danielle? I'm just going to add that was a great episode. Everyone go listen to it. (laughs) But they needed to consider what was already there. They needed to match what had been existing and design according to that. So initially there was this bridge there that had this round culvert. Yes. And so all of these arches that Susanna is actually integrated into the design, it references that and brings it back into this modern aesthetic. But then they've also managed to use this lovely complex looking dark brown brick that actually matches the surroundings and gives this sense of tranquility and actually heightens the heritage aspect of the area and so I think it's very cool how they've you know managed to respect the heritage and even elevate it. And look the other one which is another one of my favorite episodes as well but Hello House from Holbury Hunt Residential 2015 and this, I guess, was when they used the graphic hello through corbelling. But what, again, just describe in that historic context what they were trying to achieve as well. Yeah, so Hell House is interesting because they managed to conform with the 19th century masonry building design that you'd see in that heritage area. But obviously Hello House and that very pop art looking graphic design is not so much the 19th century, I would say. How they managed to get away with that was respecting also the heritage in the current era that Melbourne was in. And so this really cool modern graphic aesthetic tied in two different centuries together and actually showed the different generations of aesthetics there. And I love it. Okay, the next one we're looking at is Furbank Grammar Learning Centre. And again, this is sort of a 1970s brick library what did they do there to sort of, I guess, re-engage this again with the modern century? Yeah, another renovation as well. They tied in that classic red brick that was prevalent throughout Australia at the time. And they gave it, again, that modern twist and brought it into the now. They, they've honoured the heritage, but they've also, you know, tried to honour as well the future students coming through and really elevate what the library was. And then the final one, which is actually one of my favourite places in Adelaide, Electra House from 2017. It's got a fabulous restaurant there and I think what they've done with this and I think just in terms of what we're talking about with heritage context, not only does Brick give that nod, but it works so well with other materials. Let's talk a little bit around what nine architects chose to do in Adelaide with this particular building. Yeah, I... I love the story of this building as well. So the original building is a 1900s office building on King William Street. Originally, it was this bright red sandstone. And so over time, of course, the colour has faded, but they've chosen to use bricks to Mm. actually honour that red colour and bring an homage back to its original state. And using bricks as well really allows them to ensure that that red colour stays strong over the next 100 years. And as I said, it's a fabulous restaurant if you're down there in Adelaide. Look, Danielle, thank you so much for coming in. To recap, what I hope our listeners have learned from this particular episode is that brick is always referenced many times when architects and designers talk about why they chose brick because of the heritage context. So I hope that we've given you an understanding of what it is 
to be in a heritage area or to have to work with a heritage building. And then I hope that we've provided you with some examples as to how some architects have taken that heritage context and done really very varied designs in order to reference the time period but also to bring the building that they're working on into the current century. And I think what we've been able to display here today is that one of the many reasons why Brick is chosen is that heritage connection but it wouldn't be there if Brick wasn't so durable as a building product and wasn't still standing in many of these heritage buildings today. So thank you, Danielle, very much for coming in and thinking Heritage Brick. Thank you for having me. Danielle, before we conclude, we've talked a lot about projects in front of us that we can see, but I know when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm always doing something else. Where can our listeners go for a little bit more information or to see some of the projects we've talked about? All of the visuals for our projects will be in our show notes. Just head there. It's an easy find. And if you're designing, wanting to reference the heritage context in a particular area, Think Brick. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for new ways to think brick. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, there's a link in our show notes to let us know.